You're listening to Catholic Chicago. Ahead, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Welcome to Catholic Chicago. Good morning and welcome to Focus on the Liturgy, an element of programming of Catholic Chicago here on 750 AM. I am Todd Williamson from the Office for Divine Worship with the Archdiocese of Chicago, and I'm joined by... And I'm Danielle Noe from Liturgy Training Publications, also with the Archdiocese. And I'm Timothy Johnston in the Archdiocese of Washington. And former editor at LTP and We're still fin- finishing up a few projects still see that see that and uh, <laughs> we are here every fourth Wednesday of the month and our show focuses on all the various aspects of the church's corporate communal public worship life we talk about numerous things don't we Timothy and Danielle Yes, we do. We, uh, we Well, we break open on the liturgical year, which is usually our starting focus for our uh, topic of the show. Um, we look at all of the, sac- the sacramental life, the liturgy hours, and the devotional life of the church. And we are broadcasting this uh, in the sixth week of Easter. So happy Easter to you guys again. We we, la- we last we last aired the second week of Easter, so we're still in in that that uh, that season. But um, j- let me ask: It's uh, been four weeks since then. How is how has Easter been going for you both? Boy, it's gone very fast uh, for me here in Washington. At least for me, I have been swamped with uh, confirmations. So I'm you know been out in parishes, uh, which has helped in a good way, kind of see, you know, parish life and confirmation energy and the, the joy of the spirit in this season as we, we very draw much, very closely to Pentecost here. Oh my gosh. Um, so yeah, yeah it's going fast. Danielle, are the hallelujahs still fresh? Is the sprinkling, um, sprinkling yeah, rice still I fresh? I had a very a late uh, experience of Easter only because I was battling COVID for the first half uh, of it. Um, so yeah, and I, uh, my my goddaughter's older brother received his first communion, so that that was a wonderful part of it. And uh, she had filmed him. Um, he was a reader at his uh, school mass for the very first time, and he did such a wonderful job made this liturgist heart so proud i thought he was better than many adults that i've heard he just took ownership of that reading and and then received communion for the first time that following weekend so that did my heart good you know both of you uh, mentioned this uh uh danielle uh or timothy confirmation and danielle first communion many parishes mm-hmm. across the country will celebrate those sacraments in the Easter season, which is, which is, mm-hmm. I think, terribly fitting, right? I mean, absolutely. Yeah. On, uh, at uh, the Easter vigil, which the very first mass of the Easter season, uh, it is reserved for the full initiation 
of those who are preparing to die in the waters of the fountain. So on Holy Saturday night, we baptize them, and then we, we seal that baptism, we confirm that baptism with chrism, and then they are uh, welcome to the altar to feast on the bread of life and the cup of salvation. They are full members of the body of Christ. And <laughs> we play that, I think many parishes play that out, in, in, in a great way, connecting, because as Catholics, if you are born Catholic, the most most familiar custom is to be baptized as an infant and then to complete the uh, sacraments of initiation later on in life with confirmation in the Eucharist. So I like that throughout the Easter season, many parishes try to make that connection, or at least I hope they try to make that connection, between baptism at Easter... Uh, that's what we talked about last last uh, month on our show, the whole importance and the so what of being baptized. And, and <laughs> to complete that during the Easter season with confirmation and then the Eucharist. Sure. And, you know, historically that the, the white garment that the children wear with First Communion is supposed to be that connection um, with baptism, of course. Um, Timothy, I'm not sure what your experience has been on the East Coast, but growing up on the East Coast, it was often more common than not the fourth Sunday of Easter being Good Shepherd Sunday, um, at least up in Pennsylvania, New Jersey area, um, uh, was the more common weekend for First Communion. I'm not sure what they do in D.C. Um, out here, It's I find, at least out in the suburbs, it's throughout the Easter season, particular Sundays. Um, And my experience of it too is more often at Sunday mass here um, than separate Saturdays, um, which which is fantastic. That's fantastic Mm -hmm. to celebrate those sacraments at a Sunday mass. Uh, Mm -hmm. They they take place in the midst of the community because the sacrament is being celebrated in in the midst of the community. It's part of the sacramental life of the parish. It's part of the sacramental and liturgical life of the parish. Makes perfect sense. Yeah, no, I, it does make great sense. And as you mentioned, the Alb there, Danielle, I, as you know, and I don't know if I've ever shared this with Todd. I have this very impractical dream that for sacraments, so whether it be baptism, well, obviously baptism, but like First Communion or or, uh, uh, Confirmation, I think that everyone should be in albs. Instead of of, uh, dressed in suits and dresses. It it would solve so many problems (laughs) and uh, help people make that connection. Because it made me think of, just as you were saying that too, because obviously in the rite of Christian initiation, um, there's, there's a part in the mystagogical period where it talks about the newly baptized wearing their baptismal garments to the Sunday liturgy. And I don't know, I know it happens in some places. Um, I don't know in Chicago or not, but it certainly happens in some places in, across the country. But but that sort of thing that the community is reminded of not only of those newly baptized, but of their own own right. baptism yes. when we see those. Yeah, that, that I tradition... completely agree with you. That makes me <laughs> remember that this is my liturgical, liturgic geek nature coming out. But when I was in grad school i would say uh, when i get married my 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 uh uh fiance and i we are getting married in albs that didn't happen but (laughs) (laughs) for a time that's what i'd wanted (laughs) well again again it makes sense during during the season of easter to be celebrating those those sacraments uh, as you noted danielle throughout but but even now i mean i mean those are among the celebrations of the easter season um, right. Because Easter season is peppered with those kinds of celebrations. And we, as Timothy, you made allusion to, we are quickly approaching two of the great f- 
feasts of the Easter season, which which actually bring that season to a close, right? I mean, this <laughs> this this week, um, in most places, this coming Thursday, the yeah. tomorrow, um, we in most places in the country, we will be celebrating the solemnity of the Ascension. And then just a little over a week, almost nine days, that's going to come up later in the show, we close out the Easter season with the great solemnity of Pentecost. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I made mention that, that in most places uh, in the country, we will be celebrating Ascension on Thursday. What's that all about? Either of you guys. Yeah, I, I mean, in, in many places around the country and and my own history doesn't remember all of this, but a lot of the majority of dioceses in this country, so the metropolitan, so the archdiocese and the diocese underneath of, of, of that place have transferred Ascension from Thursday to the uh, seventh Sunday of Easter. Yeah, and I even and, said it wrong. I Actually, I said it wrong. I said the majority are oh. celebrating tomorrow. They're, they're not. The majority of yeah. dioceses celebrate Ascension on Sunday, even though tomorrow is still... Uh, in many places, it is it is the traditional date for the ascension. So I interrupted you, but I wanted to clarify that. Yeah, no. go ahead, Timothy. Yeah, no. I, it's, it's, so several places, it's not. It's just kind of a handful of folks. Primarily, if I understand correctly, on the East Coast uh, still, and if you're in Philadelphia, Scranton. I must say, I mean, I grew up in, in St. Louis and, and we, growing up, it was still on Thursday. I think it was after I went away to college when it finally got transferred to Sunday. Um, so yeah, it does, it does happen and depends on, on where you're living and how that gets celebrated. Yeah. Yeah. Like well, I, I think it's important to note that one of the reasons why that it was transferred, it's actually a pastoral decision exactly. on the part of the bishops, mm-hmm. yep. which, um, it, you know, when you think about our, 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 our weekday life, I mean, we're, we have work schedules and, and school and so forth. It's hard, it's hard for people today to make room during the week for holy days of obligation. And the Ascension is so important for the life of the church. It's an ecclesial solemnity um it, it, it it's that go and make disciples it's the start of our mission that okay we're baptized now you go go forth and spread the good news to all nations so so important is that solemnity for the life of the church for the theology of the church to understand the so what if you will of baptism that combined with pentecost that's why it, you know the bishops um, transferred it or gave the option for the particular right. ecclesiastical provinces to transfer it. It's a pastoral decision. Yep, exactly. And as, as we noted, uh, the majority of, par- of uh, dioceses will have moved it to Sunday, the, the uh, seventh Sunday of Easter, um, but the traditional date is, is tomorrow. And, then, and there, mm-hmm. are, there are still a few dioceses that celebrate it on, on uh, Thursday of the sixth week. Um, and, th- and this isn't the only solemnity to do that. I think it was in 2000 or 2001, Timothy, that the bishops of the United States I think so. gave the option to move it to Sunday. Um, but this isn't the only solemnity where that's happened. There's another one, the Epiphany, Epiphany, Mm -hmm. right? Traditionally, it's celebrated on January 6th, but the bishops of the United States transferred it to the following Sunday Mm -hmm. for the same reason, Danielle, so that people could observe it. You know, and actually for particular countries, the solemnity of the most holy body and blood of Christ is actually one that was transferred as well. That we in the United States and Canada, of course, celebrate that on Sunday, but in many European countries, it's during the week. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, so whether it's, it's, I think it's safe to assume that uh, anybody in our listening range will be celebrating it this coming Sunday, as mm-hmm. opposed as opposed to tomorrow. But whether it's Thursday or whether it is on Sunday, it is, as you said, it it, it it's a major Easter celebration and a major ecclesial celebration Danielle as you said it's it the ascension yes it's it's a mystery of the Lord um, it's part of the Paschal mystery of Christ right the 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 suffering mm-hmm. the death the burial the resurrection the ascending into heaven the sending of the spirit and the promised return at the end of time that's the full Paschal mystery the ascension <laughs> the ascension is part of that um, and and yes we we do um, mark it and observe it as the day that Christ ascended body and soul into heaven. But it wasn't just, okay, I'm going by now. <laughs> it was, it, right. there, there was something connected to that, Danielle. And we'll, we'll break that right. open. We'll break that open in detail uh, after this first break that's coming up. But real briefly before then, you know, you called it an ecclesial celebration. What, what do you mean by that? Well, it, it, it really, it, it, it establishes a doctrine of the church, right? Ascension and Pentecost together of here, you know, the baptized and what we're called to do. And, you know, Christ gives, he, it's, it's the commissioning of the disciples to go and baptize in, in, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to make disciples of all nations. And that's who we are as a church, that we are disciples making disciples yeah yeah well i mean we 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 even hear in that first reading uh, the ascension reading right from acts of the apostles Mm -hmm. right i was Uh, just gonna say that's one of my favorite uh i I never quoted exactly right but that you will receive power when the holy spirit comes upon you it's verse eight um in that in that reading (laughs) you got it pretty you got it pretty darn close (laughs) you know basically yeah what, what daniel said going out into the ends of the earth to judea samaria it's, I flipped that a little bit, but that's, I, I just love that because it, what we're going to obviously celebrate at Pentecost is that outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which sends us um, out into the world. So it's, I was just thinking like, you know, if we look back at, at the last few Sundays of, of readings, you know, Jesus is making these very different and, and pretty, I think, we could argue strategic appearances before this ascension, right? Um, and as a way to kind of gradually prepare and, and keep telling them that there is a mission, there's something yes. here. And then it comes to this this point and he says, you are going to receive the power to go to the ends of the earth to proclaim the gospel ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 that's uh, that 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 resurfaces again, as you say, in just a little over a week. So we'll 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 break that open a bit more when we come back from this first break. We're talking about Ascension and Pentecost and a number of other celebrations in this Easter season. Stay with us. We'll be right back after these messages.
imagine spending a week on the tranquil grounds of the University of St. Mary the Lake where you can pray, reflect, and learn from the rich treasures of the Bible. An invitation for all to experience the annual Summer Scripture Conference, June 19th to 24th, might just be for you. Notable scripture scholars from across the United States will present this year's program, focusing on interpreting scripture in the church. The five presenters will share on a variety of topics, including interpreting scripture and the Vatican II documents, different Christian denominations and how they differ in perspectives on scripture, the Bible and politics in America today, what scripture says about children, how to use scripture in prayer, and interpreting scripture for the life and mission of the church. For registration and conference package information, visit our website at www.usml.edu slash summerscripture or call 847-837-4575. This year's conference will be both in person and virtual. Forty-four for me teaching. When I started here, there were teachers here that had taught me when I was a student. Now I'm the old person. <laughs> right now, I teach junior high math. I love when kids find what I'm teaching to be fun and they get it. I see that light bulb go off and it's a thrill. People are always amazed. What? what? You're here for 44 years? It's hard for me to believe, frankly. <laughs> I love what I do. Every summer I think, oh, I miss the classroom. Even on the weekends, I think I can't wait to get back on Monday and teach those quadratic equations. <laughs> Shape the next generation of leaders. Teach. Apply today at artchicago.org slash schooljobs. Did you know that Catholic Charities accepts car donations? If you're ready to free up space in your garage and put a stop to all those expenses that go along with owning a car, we will gratefully accept your donation, whether the car is running or not. You choose a pickup time that is convenient for you, and we will make the donation as easy as possible free of charge. You'll receive a charitable donation receipt as well. We accept all types of vehicles nationwide, and you will know that your donation is made to Catholic Charities, an agency you can trust. To learn more about donating your car, call 877-786-4483. That's 877-786-4483. Thank you. Welcome back to Focus on the Liturgy here on Catholic Chicago, 7.50 a.m. I'm Todd Williamson, joined by Danielle Noe and Timothy Johnson, and we are talking about the uh, feasts of uh, the, the solemnities of Ascension and uh, Pentecost, the end of the Easter season, the culmination of the Easter season, and these two great uh, celebrations. And uh, Danielle, during that break, I was actually just thinking, and Timothy, based on some of the uh, the comments and, and discussion we had last month. I mean, it, Daniel, the way we were talking about Ascension and, and then not to jump ahead of ourselves, but Pentecost in just a few minutes, it, it, we talk about, we've talked about Easter as the so what 
season, right? So, so yeah. what? That, so what? That you renewed your baptism, or for the for the neophytes, those who who were baptized, you know. So, so what? That you died in the waters of the font. Well, that so what is answered at Ascension and and Pentecost, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It it really is because it puts it into perspective of what we're what baptism should mean something. Right. It's not just this empty ritual of a trickle of water. You know, the, the, those promises that our parents made for us when we were children or when you're an adult making that decision for yourself, it's supposed to mean something. And, and there comes with baptism a responsibility. And we've talked on the show before about when we're baptized as priest, prophet, and king, right? That as priest, we offer a sacrifice. As prophet, we stand up for the oppressed. As king, we lead others or model others to who Jesus is. And that's really kind of all summed up with the ascension, right? To spread the good news. It really comes... It, it really puts perspective of what priest, prophet, and king is. Well, right, right. Witness the uh, first reading from Acts that we were just talking about, Timothy. That line you love, uh, the Holy Spirit will will come upon you, and and you you will go out. Look, look at yeah. look at the gospel verse for the solemnity of the ascension. It's it's the 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 great commandment. The, the gospel verse for ascension is "Go and teach all nations," says the Lord. I'm with you always until the end of the yeah. world. Right. Go out. And 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 so it 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 really is. It really is that that aspect of mission. But um, we can't do it without the spirit. And 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 I love I love that in between. I love that in between Ascension and Pentecost is the the original novena. Right. Oh, yes. The (laughs) the Pentecost novena. I mean, even in the gospel uh, for ascension, uh, he tells them that uh, you you will be you know you, 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 the father will send what what I have promised, but not yet. Go back to go back to Jerusalem and wait. The, <laughs> the the time between ascension and Pentecost is the original novena. That's where the whole idea comes from, because yeah. right. it, 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 you know in the scriptures where they went back to Jerusalem after the ascension and prayed for the Spirit. Right. Mary, the Blessed Virgin, and the apostles were in the upper room, and they spent that time in between Christ ascending into heaven and the sending of the Spirit in that prayer for. And that, I mean, and that's exactly what a novena is, isn't it? It's nine days. Right. It's nine days of offering prayer for a specific intention. Right. That's how the whole idea started, and I and I love the I love that there's still vestiges of that. In the in the texts of the Mass, between Ascension and Pentecost. I mean, go ahead, Danielle. Oh no, I was just going to say that that in that novena, that original novena, it comes from the liturgical celebrations. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, the devotional comes from the liturgical. Right. You look at Tuesday of next week, for example, right? Tuesday of the, the uh, seventh week of Easter. Grant, we pray, almighty and merciful God, that the Holy Spirit coming near and dwelling graciously within us may make us make of us a perfect temple of his glory. So there's mm-hmm. there's reference to that even in the in the texts of the mass, the masses in between these days. Wednesday of next week of the, the, the 
prior or right before Pentecost. Graciously grant to your church, O merciful God, that, gathered by the Holy Spirit, she may be devoted to you with all her heart and united in purity of intent. I mean, so there's that, that yeah. reference throughout. Thursday, <laughs> preceding Pentecost, may your spirit, O Lord, we pray, imbue us powerfully with spiritual gifts that he may give us a mind pleasing to you and graciously conform us to your will. I mean, there's, there's that, there, there's still the, the, the air, the atmosphere of so what, so what that you've been baptized and received the spirit so that you can use these spiritual gifts. You know what I find fascinating about the liturgical year? There's this deliberate nature to it in how it's constructed. Cause if you go back to Christmas time, and how Christmas ends with this great solemnity of the epiphany of the Lord and the feast of the baptism of the Lord. There's almost a similar intent, if you will, between if you compare that with Ascension and Pentecost. So epiphany of a light to all nations and then baptism of the Lord, the start of Jesus's public ministry and how that transitions us into ordinary time, mm -hmm. right? Of what it, that daily life of finding God in the ordinary of what it means to be a Christian day to day. Same with Easter. We transition back into ordinary time with the calling of the disciples and then the sending of the Holy spirit and pulling up, pushing us outward into our Christian life. Right. And, and into, and into the world mm -hmm. to specifically and deliberately transform it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just, and we've talked about this, you know, over Lent and Easter, you know, that renewal of baptismal promises at the vigil. Um, Danielle, you made me just think of this, like what, what we, in, in a sense, Easter's rehearsing, what we're like that Paschal mystery we're called to then enact in our day-to-day -day life. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I love that the way that you think about or you shared that because it is intentional and, and we, we forget often that the rhythm of our, our lectionary cycle, the rhythm of the year, the rhythm as the story unfolds really does form us yeah. for discipleship. Yeah. And, and, and that promise really does culminate in Pentecost, right? With the sending right. of the spirit and, and, and with everything that we, we already know and, and, and have in our minds about Pentecost, the spirit descends. Uh, there's a great uh, sound like a rushing wind and then tongues of fire descend on the heads of, of the apostles. And they right. immediately, they immediately start spreading the gospel, spreading the good news uh, in, 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 you know, in languages that people can understand. Um, right. They are, they are drunk on the spirit, if you will. <laughs> and, uh, and immediately start, um, start uh, uh, preaching. And, it, and there's, there's the living out of the sacramental in the Christian life. Right. Pentecost really is, if you will, a, it's a feast about not only the church, but the sacramental worldview of who we are as Catholics oh, yeah. of Psalm 104, Lord, send out your spirit and renew the face of the earth. Mm -hmm. There's a, a throwback yeah. to almost like the Easter vigil with the story of creation and then the sending on the spirit that through our entire being is a, is a sense of the holy 
and called forth to bring that forth. If, if does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, it is. It, it is the recreation of what God intended from the mm-hmm. beginning. Again, it's putting, it's putting, it put, it puts life, it puts the world, it puts, um, it puts humanity back on the track to what God intended from the beginning. And that right. is, and that is to, 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 to be images of his son in the world yeah. to transform it. Absolutely. Well, that prayer after communion on the Saturday before Pentecost um, uh, kind of summarizes that. It says, Here in your compassion, our prayers, O Lord, that as we have been brought from things of the past to new mysteries, so with former ways left behind, we may be made new in holiness of mind. And I think that kind of summarizes like our Lenten journey. You know, we were doing that conversion stuff. We renewed our promises <laughs> in Easter and we sort of lived into that. Uh, joy of resurrection and that newness of our our renewal and our baptism and that in doing so we've been made holy and and that holiness sends us out into the world yeah Um, we we have been made holy because because specifically because and only because we have been remade into an image of christ to transform the world we'll pick it up there when we come back for the second half of our show stay with us we're talking about the end of the easter season the great solemnities of ascension and pentecost we're going to talk a little bit about the eucharistic revival in the second half of our show we'll be right back Hiring Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Chicago is looking for mission-driven individuals who want to help make a positive difference in the lives of people in need throughout Cook and Lake Counties. Be part of a diverse, talented team of professionals in the largest human services organization in the Midwest. We are dedicated to helping people chart a more stable, happier future for themselves, and we accompany anyone in need, regardless of faith, gender, race, or ethnicity. Competitive salaries and generous benefits add to the satisfaction you'll have every day knowing that you're helping us amplify our impact in Chicago. To see our list of employment opportunities, visit catholiccharities.net. Welcome back. Es fabuloso verlos. Dobrze jest znowu być razem. It's good to be together again. After so many months apart, pandemic capacity limits have been lifted, and we want to welcome everyone back to church. We can all pray together again. And listen as our choirs lift their voices in song. We've been together in spirit, and now when you are ready, our doors are open wide. Nuestras puertas están abiertas de par en par. Nasze drzwi są otwarte. And we're here to welcome you back to Catholic Mass.
The cemetery ministry is a core ministry of our Catholic faith tied to the corporal works of mercy. It's comforting to know that our Catholic cemeteries are caring for the remains of our loved ones awaiting the resurrection. There are 44 Archdiocese of Chicago Catholic cemeteries willing to help you in your time of loss. Call 708-449-6100 or visit catholiccemeterychicago.org. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837. You're listening to Catholic Chicago. Ahead, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Thanks for letting us be part of your morning. Now again, Catholic Chicago. Welcome back to the second half of Focus on the Liturgy, uh, an element of programming of Catholic Chicago. I'm Todd Williamson from the Office for Divine Worship. And I'm Danielle Noe from LTP, also of the Archdiocese. And I'm Timothy Johnston in the Archdiocese of Washington and helping out at LTP still. (laughs) And we are talking about, if you're just joining us, we've been talking about the end of the Easter season, kind of the culmination of the Easter season with the great solemnities of Ascension that leads into Pentecost. And we had just started talking about Pentecost. Uh, Timothy, you even citing the, um, uh, the prayer after communion the Saturday before Pentecost that still talks about um, leaving the being being our new selves, right? And so mm-hmm. that in holiness of mind and in image of Christ, we may go out and, and transform the world. And that that really is that really is celebrated in Pentecost. Yes, it is the sending of the Spirit, but it's the sending of the Spirit for a very specific reason, and that reason is to use those gifts, right, and to bring salvation to the world, to to complete the mission of Christ. Um, it's one of the one of the um, uh, one of the newer things that has happened the last uh, decade or so is the the restoration of the um, vigil of Pentecost. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, maybe just to talk a little bit about this for um, I, I got a, a call from a pastor uh, a couple of weeks ago and he said for the first time we want to do this. Uh, the the vigil of Pentecost yeah I know the vigil of Pentecost it's not simply a, an anticipatory mass. Right. I mean, there's some distinction to it, Timothy. Yeah, I there. Well, in in the with the reform of the missile or the revision of the missile in 2011, we got this extended vigil um, for Pentecost, which basically elongates the liturgy of the word. Um, So it takes all of the options that could be used at that vigil and like the Easter vigil, taking time so that because this is such an important solemnity in the life of the church, um, as Danielle's already pointed out, you know, the, the ecclesiology, the giving of the spirit, that that it, it sort of is raised up a little bit more than just what our normal Saturday vigil mass look, might look like. That's one of the options, is that it helps us and draws us into contemplating the mystery of the outpouring of the Spirit um, in, in through those scripture readings, through the Psalms. So like the Easter Vigil, you'll have a reading, a psalm, and some silence. 
reading psalm silence now there's not as many readings as as are possible at the vigil i actually can't remember how many are at the vigil without looking for four, four. Mm-hmm. so yep. so it's doable right yeah. that, that's much man, very manageable yeah it's, um, it's and, four and, before the epistle so uh, yeah. to, a total a total of of six in the Easter Vigil, there's a total of nine. Nine. So yeah. it's a, it's a it's a great bookend, if you will, to the Easter season. We begin the Easter season in vigil, and we end the Easter season in vigil. And, and now, some places oh. use this. Sorry, sorry, Daniel. Some, some folks, this would be the night. Um, in some cases, where they're actually going to confirm uh, some folks, right. possibly, mm-hmm. or they might receive, um, depending on where people are at in their uh, journey of conversion. This might be the night that they receive um, baptized candidates into yeah. the full communion of the church. Doesn't yeah. have to be, but this is one of those moments that it makes sense to yep. do so. Exactly, Danielle. <laughs> Oh, I was just going to say when the missile came out, there was a lot of confusion of, well, for the Psalms specifically, because the missile notes the citation of the Psalms. And there were always pastoral questions about where do I go to get those Psalms? Is it in the lectionary? Um, the bishops had approved a supplement to the lectionary for mass, which came out, gosh, probably, was it maybe four or five years ago yeah, now? Yeah. Um, and so those psalm checks are in the lectionary supplement with the additional readings. So just in case you're wondering, where do I go for those? What verses am I am I supposed to sing? Um, they are in the lectionary yeah. supplement. Yep. I, I, I And I love that idea that from uh, Ascension, as we were talking in that last segment, from Ascension to Pentecost is the original novena, right? Mm-hmm. Where for nine days, the church, even now in its texts for daily mass, continues to pray for the spirit. Spirit, and that that kind of ends on the vigil, as you said, Timothy, where we literally, we vigil, we vigil for <laughs> waiting for the outpouring of the Spirit. Yeah, I, I think it's important um how do I say this without being snarky or cynical? I think it's important <laughs> when we when we think about vigil, it isn't... It, it isn't just this elongated thing to be elongated, right? It is a way for us as Christian people to enter into a profound uh, encounter with the mystery of God through contemplation, silence, um, being in the community together. So these readings, as we're sitting there, not to speed through them, but to allow ourselves to be present to the mystery that is being revealed and unfolded as, as we gather together in this time. And so we get this really long, uh, time of celebration from that vigil through uh, Vespers on, on the Sunday of Pentecost. That's one happy sort of liturgy, um, if you will, and maybe not in the same way as the Triduum, but it's, it's all together. Right. Um, and, and really allowing, uh, that the word of God to fall afresh on you and to ruminate on that. And, and, and I was just, as you were saying that Todd, I was reading, um, one of the prayers after I think this is after the second reading um, for this. And it says, Oh God. Uh, so this would be the, the Psalm prayer after Psalm uh, 19 um, or Daniel, the canticle of Daniel, cause that could be the one, but says, Oh God, who in fire and lightning right there, you get the canticle of Daniel images gave the ancient law to Moses on Mount Sinai. And on this day manifested the new covenant in the fire of the spirit. I think that, that, each of these prayers help break open the reading in some way right. or the mystery of the reading, right? And so we have to allow for chunks of time for people to digest that yeah. and to really sit with with what what it means. Yeah. And and that really does reach a fruition in 
um, in, in the observance and the celebration of the solemnity of uh, Pentecost. You hear, you hear, for example, in the um, preface for Pentecost, uh, for bringing your Paschal mystery to completion, you bestowed the Holy Spirit today on those you made your adopted children by uniting them to your only begotten son. There, uniting, being incorporated <laughs> into, in image of, right? The same spirit as the church came to birth opened to all peoples the knowledge of God and brought together the many languages of the earth in profession of the one faith. That will transform the earth, right? That's the, yes. the ending of that. <clears throat> well, it's quite fitting that, that we follow up with this when we go with two great solemnities, right? With Trinity Sunday, because what is that all about? A relationship of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and what we're received into, right? Yep. It's that transformation. Yep. So it's it, it flows seamlessly from the celebration of Pentecost. All of it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Th- th- those celebrations as well as our Christian lives. Um, mm-hmm. and, and of course, take it back yeah. to the very beginning uh, of the show, at least. Timothy, you began by talking about the confirmations that are celebrated in the Archdiocese of Washington, right? And th- that's, that is that is the, the sending of the Spirit and the sevenfold gifts of the Spirit, uh, confirming our baptism. In the, in the introduction to Christian initiation, when it's talking about confirmation— it's, it, it has this great line. We are anointed and so more completely conformed to the image of the Lord. Yeah. Mm-hmm. More completely mm-hmm. conformed to the image of the Lord. The presumption is the, that's referencing baptism. We, 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 are, yeah. we are conformed more completely to the image of the Lord we first received in baptism so that we can use those gifts given in the spirit, by the Spirit for the mission of, of Christ, for the transformation of the world. And uh, you just made me think, Todd, because I know, and maybe I'm going to get myself in trouble here, but because I've been at so many confirmations and I'm hearing homilies and various things, um, is I think we forget what you just said, because there's a lot of language that's used in these liturgies that, um, that oh, you're going to get the Holy Spirit at confirmation. Well, you, you received yeah. the gift of the Holy Spirit at baptism already. And so this is a, a, a more complete and, and like fulfilling of that baptismal promise. It isn't like you're getting it anew. Like you've already been filled with the Spirit because of baptism. Um, this strengthens that. This uh, confirms that. This is the fullness of that. That's all yeah. I have to talk about. It. It's the fullness of the Spirit. Fullness. We've, we've already right. received the Spirit in baptism. But this is this is the fullness, which in its fullness allows us to do what we're baptized to do. Right. Right. And if you think about like the gifts of the Holy Spirit, when you really break those down and, and spend some, I would invite folks as you prepare for Pentecost to really sit and kind of contemplate the seven gifts of the Spirit and how you use them in your life, because they really are the toolbox that um, help us in our discipleship. And by using them, they it reveals the the twelve fruits of the Holy Spirit. You know that joy, the gratitude, the like. It it it's really. Uh, I did a, a retreat many years ago where I tried to like help teenagers understand some of this. I'm not sure I was successful, but <laughs> when you really contemplate it, it begins to make sense about what what Jesus says to the apostles at the ascension, what what they experience then on Pentecost, and then what we experience in baptism, confirmation, and Eucharist oh my gosh. in our day life. Yeah. Nice, nice way of bringing that all together. 
I, I actually just thought of a product idea that came out of that. So we'll talk. Oh, good. <laughs> All right. We're going to take our last break here. We'll be back when we come back. We're going to move just a little bit past the Easter season and talk briefly about the solemnities of Trinity and Corpus Christi. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Ancestry and genealogy are more important every day. People all over the world are wanting to learn more about their family heritage for personal and for health reasons. At Catholic Charities, we are hearing from adults who lived for a brief time at St. Vincent's Orphanage, the wonderful life-affirming agency that operated out of our headquarters for 91 years, serving thousands of women, children, and families until it closed in 1972. Our post-adoption services help adults who want to learn more about their experience at St. Vincent's. Our compassionate staff members provide whatever family background information they can offer, along with support and reunion services. To learn more, call 312-655-7093. That's 312-655-7093. The spirit of St. Vincent's lives on in the inspiring stories that continue to emerge today. I can't imagine myself going into any other school. Our school fosters growth by being a backbone to our family. My kids are incredibly well-rounded. I see a lot of kindness in them on a daily basis. One of the things I think Catholic schools do well is personalize the learning experience. You can hear joy in the classrooms. I feel that like I'm happy that I am in this kind of school. Our school communities provide students with academic excellence and character education in a supportive and stable learning environment. Come see for yourself. Visit artschicago.org slash findaschool. Catholic Charities has had the privilege of helping people in need in Cook and Lake County for more than 100 years. We would like to take this opportunity to thank our frontline workers who despite the unprecedented challenges of the past two years, continue to excel at their jobs every day. From the warehouse staff members who pack boxes of nutritious foods for low-income seniors, to the dedicated WIC employees who have remained open for families with children under the age of five, to our volunteers and restaurant partners who ensure that meals are available for those experiencing hunger to our service coordinators and our professional counselors who continue their vital work in innovative ways, to our food pantry staff, and to all those who work at Catholic Charities Call Center, finding solutions for every person who reaches out to us for help. Charity is at the heart of all you do, and we salute you.
Welcome back to this final segment of Focus on the Liturgy. We have been talking about the end of the Easter season, the culmination of the Easter season. In many ways, we've, we've talked about it as the fulfillment of the Easter season. The um, great celebrations, and not just the celebrations, Danielle and Timothy, but the meaning of, right? I mean, these yes. celebrations have meaning for us. They, they, have, um, they have direction for us. They, they have commissions, commissionings for us. So we've been talking about that of, of Ascension and Pentecost. And as, as we've done, talked about in other years, um, I do like how the Easter season kind of, it, um, it doesn't just abruptly <laughs> stop. But but it kind of it kind of flows into the next two Sundays. Um, great uh, 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 theology or doctrinal celebrations, if you will, or solemnities yes. of um, yes. the uh, Holy Trinity and um, Corpus Christi, the body and blood of the Lord. Um, that first Sunday after Pentecost is the solemnity of the Most Holy Trinity. Right, we celebrate the uh, and the, the this this doctrine of the the three persons in in one God. God. Um, and then the next Sunday, before going into uh, ordinary time Sundays, is the solemnity of the most holy body and blood of Christ. Um, Danielle, when we were texting back and forth during that break, you made a good point. The, um, the old title, and I even just referred to it as Corpus Christi, right? It's, but Corpus Christi in Latin simply means the body yeah. of Christ. yeah. And the um when Vatican II uh, following Vatican II, the calendar was revised in 1969. Um, and there had been on the calendar two individual feasts. What one was the feast of Corpus Christi. Um, the other was the and I, I'm sorry that I don't remember the Latin title for this, but it, the translation was the feast of the most precious blood. So when the calendar reformers were working on on the calendar, they combined the two feasts into one great solemnity um, to emphasize the fullness of the mystery, the fullness of the sign in both body and blood. Um, Corpus or the uh, that that feast of Corpus Christi and historically, it's really a fascinating history that flows from it. Um, a lot of the Eucharistic devotional life of the church has come from the celebration of that feast. Um, the various Eucharistic processions that are still part of it, um, but the the idea you mentioned. Uh, of it being an idea feast or a doctrinal feast, but that great solemnity of the most holy body and blood of Christ really celebrates what it is that we believe as Catholics in the real presence of Christ found in experienced in the Eucharist of both body and blood. And, and the fullness of that, uh, that we receive the Eucharist in its fullness, if if possible, uh, here in Chicago, we're still not able to take from the cup because of pandemic concerns. I understand yeah. that. Hopefully, that will end soon um, when 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 it's safe. Um, but the, the the fullness of the Eucharist, we receive the Eucharist on a weekly basis because we have been baptized and confirmed an image of the Lord, so that we can then take that out into yes. the world. And, 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 you know, I, I got to tell you guys, so the, the, um, the, the feast, uh, the solemnity of the most holy body and blood of the Lord, 
um, does mark, at least in this country, the beginning of an initiative that the United States bishops have been working on, right? A three-year initiative. Um, they're calling it a Eucharistic revival. And it begins mm-hmm. on the Feast of the Most Holy Body and Blood of the Lord, June 19th. Uh, the mm-hmm. second Sunday after Pentecost. Um, and and uh, there's been a great talk about, uh, about uh, observances. You mentioned the um, uh, Eucharistic procession uh, here in Chicago. That day is going to begin. That, that initiative is going to begin with a uh, procession at Holy Name Cathedral. Uh, uh, the, at the, uh, at the, uh, the vigil, the anticipatory vigil of, um, uh, the, the most holy body and blood of, of Christ. But, uh, it, it, it the, that's only one aspect of it. The devotional is only one aspect of it. Right. And I don't want us to forget the, um, active part of it, the, the, <laughs> the celebration of the Eucharist and any revival of the Eucharist has to begin with its celebration. That's that. And, and, um, uh, Cardinal Supich, I made mention of this before the show, uh, this last Saturday, we had the celebration of the ordination of priests and a deacon at, uh, at, uh, Holy Name Cathedral and in his homily to the new, the, those to be ordained, um, Cardinal Supich specifically noted that this, you know, you are being ordained as the church in the United States undertakes this initiative, uh, uh, the revival, the Eucharistic revival. And he said, you as priests and as a deacon, you must have this for in the forefront of your ministry, the celebration of the Eucharist. And he, he noted, yeah. he noted the revive, the, you know, the, the um, renewal of the second Vatican council that sought to renew the liturgical life of the church so that the liturgy could in, could, could be open to the full active and conscious participation of every member. He made specific note right. of that and tied the Eucharist to the part, the participation of the body of Christ in the Paschal mystery of Christ. I think that's well, the celebration of the Eucharistic liturgy, of course, is the the source and summit of yep. our faith. Yep. Um, you know, the epiclesis there with the calling down of the Holy Spirit so that the gifts of bread and wine may become for us the body and blood of our Lord. There is a second epiclesis upon the transformation of the people who are present, right? To go forth so that the Eucharist, the full conscious and active participation in the Eucharist, the hearing of the word and letting that become imbued in us, the reception of the Holy Eucharist, that that may become part of us, that we truly become the adopted sons and daughters of Christ, of God, living as Christ's disciples in the world. The Eucharist is our our weekly uh, renewal of that promise that that weekly um partaking in christ's mystery so that we become more fully who god created us to be and then sent out and then sent out (laughs) the 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 eucharist doesn't it doesn't end with with the the end of mass there is the 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 sending forth the commissioning the that that uh pope benedict was so fond of that uh so much so much so that the the texts of the mass were revised to reflect that right go now you've you've you you got what you you've received what you needed you've been nourished on the word you've been nourished on the body and blood of the lord now go and announce the gospel of the yeah. 
Glorify the Lord by your life. Just by the way you live as a Christian, having received what God has given you here in this celebration in in which you have participated in the celebration of the Eucharist. And so I think think that whole idea of the Eucharistic revival ties into what we're talking about. The Eucharist leads to mission. Yes. (laughs) There, 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 There is no... No way around that. Timothy? That's what... Oh, go ahead, Timothy. Well, uh, this, uh, this may be random, but as you were both talking, <laughs> it made me think about the preface for the dedication of an altar. Oh, yeah. And you know, it talks... Uh, the whole prayer of dedication, which is I don't have in front of me, but that's very beautiful. But the preface, you know, it says, Here is prepared the table of the Lord where your children, fed by the body of Christ, are gathered into the one body, Holy Church. Here the faithful drink of your spirit from the streams that flow from Christ, the spiritual rock, through whom they too become a holy oblation, a living altar. And that that's what we were just saying. Yes. Like what we are fed in this at this yeah. table to become that living altar in the world. That our ministry, the work that we do, the way we treat our coworkers, our family members, all of those things are rooted in our our celebration of of the Eucharist. We're imitating and, and modeling yeah. um what Christ has given us. Um you know, in my favorite prayer and all of the liturgy, you made the mingling of this water and wine, <laughs> you know, that that whole thing, like raising us and, and bringing us to the fullness of who we are created to be, that we are, are to share in the divinity of Christ. And that the yeah. Eucharist is the nour- nourishment for that. And the continual force that shapes us more and more and more from Sunday to Sunday, week to week, season to season, more and more and more into the image of Christ we've been baptized to be. My hope my hope is that the Eucharistic, Eucharistic revival makes these connections between the, the, the celebration of the Eucharist and the shaping uh, through our participation in that Paschal mystery, yes. in the liturgy, we are shaped more and more into the image of Christ to transform the world for the world's salvation. I think that coming on the heels of the pandemic where people were obviously not able to participate at mass in person, I think that the, this is a very important opportunity to renew that understanding of Eucharist, that yes, your presence is important here. Because one of my concerns with this post-pandemic reality is that we've become accustomed to the ease of watching it on a screen. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. And that and that we mm-hmm. need to be invited back. Um we need to understand how important it is to participate fully, that your presence here is required and it's needed, yeah. that the full body of Christ is needed. That's a great connection in, in just in this last minute that we have. So so there you go. We, I mean, we've obviously got some topics to break open in, in coming shows, right, as we mm-hmm. enter more in, into this Eucharistic revival. Um, but the, that, that whole idea in Danielle um, and, and Timothy, everything that we take it back to the beginning of the show, the sacraments that we have just celebrated in and throughout the Easter season— and mm-hmm. leading into this Eucharistic revival, more and more and more remind us of who we are to be. Danielle, you said yeah. that just perfectly. You know, just to leave us with a, a little story, my my friend's son who is receiving First Communion, I gave him a, a gift book about participating at Sunday Mass and was teaching him about Christ's presence in the Eucharist. And I said, you know, when you receive Jesus, you become better. And he says, he he pondered for a moment. He says, well, when you have Jesus, how can you not be? (laughs) 
on that note. The words of a seven-year-old. <laughs> on that note, we will see you again next month here on Focus on the Liturgy. God bless everyone.